It's the middle of November, and the Masters is here. This is unbelievable. I mean, this sports year has been something else. Uh, our clocks are all out of whack, but how great is this? Because normally college basketball season ends. We smoothly go right into the Masters that following weekend. This year, it's the reverse. The Masters is our springboard into the start of college hoop season. So, your reminder, Kyle Porter in the first cut. Not Kyle Boone. Kyle Porter host of the First Cut Podcast, has all your golf needs as Tiger Woods begins trying to win another green jacket. He's the most recent Masters winner, remember. So tune into the First Cut Golf Podcast, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, all week for your tournament previews, the picks, the best bets, all of it. And, of course, they're going to have round-by-round recaps. This is the best golf podcast out there. First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. Go find it. And now, let's talk Creighton. Preseason top 10. First time in history. Here we go. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Tuesday, November 10th, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And today we're going to be continuing our series of short episodes dedicated to the schools in the top 10 of my top 25 and one. We're counting them down 10 to 1 on Monday. We focused on number 10, Wisconsin. Today, we turn our attention to number nine Creighton. The Blue Jays are 11th in Norlander's 1 to 357 rankings. They're number 13 at Ken Palm. And again, I have them ninth in the top 25 and one after they went 25 and seven last season, shared the Big East title with Villanova and Seton Hall. Four of the five starters from that team are back, most notably Marcus Zagorowski. We're going to tell you what's to like and dislike about Greg McDermott's team momentarily. But first, Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So, Norlander, the focus today is on Creighton. The Blue Jays want to share the Big East title last season, just like Villanova. They finished 12th at Ken Palm. Six spots ahead of Villanova. They returned four starters, just like Villanova. They returned five of the top six scores, just like Villanova. And yet you have Villanova number one and Creighton outside of the top ten. Explain yourself. Uh, how many national titles does Greg McDermott have? Um, I don't have that information right in front oh, of me. I got it. For you. It's zero. How many does Jay Wright have? Oh, so this is turning into Greg McDermott slander right off the top? Why not? You asked me why. You got Jay Wright, sl- <laughs> you got, you got Jay Wright slander right off the top here. Are you telling me you think that Villanova should be higher? Do you have Villanova or Creighton higher in your rankings? 
I do have Villanova higher than Creighton, but the gap is not as wide. Uh, how, how wide is your gap? I have Villanova third and Creighton ninth. So my gap, if my subtraction skills are still rock solid, I believe my gap is six. That's, that's a decent gap. I got Thank a bigger you. gap. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm one to 11. By the way, my 11 ranking matches the AP Top 25 preseason poll, which came out on Monday. Creighton is one of five teams that has its highest preseason ranking in program history in this poll. So Creighton's obviously been higher than 11th in the AP Top 25 previously, but it's never started a season higher than it will start this season. Creighton's 11. Amazingly, uh, the other four teams are the one through four in the poll. Gonzaga's never been as high as one. Baylor's never been as high as two. Villanova has previously been as high as three, so it matches its program best there. And then Iowa, which is fourth in the AP Top 25, it's the highest it's ever been. So the Blue Jays at 11 have never had this much anticipation or expectation heading into a season from a rankings perspective there. We're splitting hairs here. I do have Kentucky in the top 10. Creighton has dealt with a couple of injuries to a couple of freshmen who weren't going to be top five, top six players, but it does hurt their depth overall. I do think that there is a sizable gap between the Blue Jays. As we mentioned on a previous pod, Villanova Creighton, and then a bit of a chasm there between whether you want it to be Seton Hall, UConn, Providence, you fill in that that third team in the Big East. Heading in, I don't think there's any reasonable case anyone could make that there's a close gap, if you will, between uh, Creighton and whatever that third team is there. So you provide a compelling argument with everything that Creighton does bring back. Uh, I'll finish with this before I send the volley on back to you. They do lose Tyshawn Alexander, who was their best player, definitely, and certainly their best defender overall. Without him, I do want to see what Zagorowski is going to be. I didn't vote for Zagorowski for Big East Player of the Year. I voted for Colin Gillespie, and I think that's in part because Mitch Ballack and Denzel Mahoney, who we can get to more in just a second here, I think their numbers are going to jump, and because of that, Zagorowski is just not going to have an outstanding statistical season to validate him winning it. I think all three of those guys are top 100 players, and spoiler alert, when you read the top 100 players list on our site later this week or on the CBS Sports app on your phone, you're going to notice that indeed we have three Creighton Blue Jays on that list. I only opened the podcast that way uh, just to pick at you. We are mostly splitting hairs here. We have them very, very close. We both believe that Creighton is the obvious, um, uh, at least on paper, second best team in the Big East behind Villanova. I don't um, make it into a Jay Wright, Greg McDermott thing as much as I just think Villanova's roster is better. Um, but but I, I, I obviously, because we're talking about Creighton, I, I have them both in the preseason top 10. And let's just stop there for a second and recognize how incredible that is because just, I guess it was eight seasons ago. Mm. This was a Missouri Valley conference school, uh, you know, a, a proud Missouri Valley conference school, but not one that was going to be ranked in the top 10 of anybody's preseason ever. And so it's just a reminder of how much league affiliation matters, how much going to the biggies actually changed that program. And now it has developed into uh, I believe one of the more notable programs in America, a Big East title last season, and an opportunity, at least on paper, to get another one this season. You mentioned Tyshawn Alexander. He comes back, and suddenly everybody who started a game for Creighton last season would have been eligible 
for this 2020-21 season. I would have had, because I think I did have, when I believed he was coming back to school, I would have had Creighton in the top five of the top 25 and one. They slipped out of the top 10 for a minute after Tyson Alexander's announcement, then moved back up when other schools lost other players. But he is a big loss. 16.9 points, 5.0 rebounds, shot 39.9% from three. He was the leading scorer, good defender, like you said, their best player. But what does it say about this program now that they can lose the guy we've identified as the best player and still reasonably um, have a preseason first team all American in Marcus Zagorowski. That's uh, you know, Greg, Greg has built this thing into a, a pretty, pretty good place right now. Very good place. They would have been a two seed probably last season. I mean, who knows how it would have ended. We know how it ended. Uh, <laughs> Creighton playing against St. John's in a game called at halftime with the St. John's mascot, just standing or sitting in the middle of Madison Square Garden, mouth agape, and the season just all withering away. That was a bizarre uh, flashback in time. But that's the last time we saw college basketball, by the way. We're talking about a team when it's March 12, 2020, a date that lives in infamy there. Um, McDermott would have had that team probably as a two-seed, though. 24-7, and seven, they finished 13-5 and five overall. And so they have every right. They were 12th at Ken Palm last year. They're at 13th right now heading into the season, by the way, in Ken Palm. So we're talking about them in the same realm. I agree with you. If Alexander had come back, I didn't think he would, and so he didn't. But if he did, the lowest I would have possibly had them would have been sixth. The lowest. Like, Kansas is my number six team, and I definitely would have had Creighton with, with um, Alexander above KU's roster as it is right now. But regardless, Creighton basking it. There's no doubt about it. Um, they've been able to really, you know, hit a track and keep a groove in the Big East since they came over to start the 2013-2014 season. McDermott took them to the tournament in 14. That was the big year with his son, Doug, player of the year. They were three seed. They actually bowed out, though, in the second round. Um, And then he made it back again in 2017. 2018 would have made it in 2020. And now you've got another huge year of expectation ahead. Um, Zagorowski, we've talked about uh, plenty on the podcast. He is a wonderful player there. But do keep an eye, as I mentioned before, on Denzel Mahoney and Mitch Ballack. They are fantastic players. Not similar. Ballack, I think, is going to have a case to be a top 10 shooter in college basketball this season. He averaged 11.9 points last season, uh, but a wonderful three-point shooter. And I think that he can even improve. I really do think he can improve on his on his percentages. He was 43.5% from, from beyond the arc last season. I expect him to be even better. Mahoney, not bad in his own right. Shot 36%, averaged 12 points a game. Uh, I'd expect both those dudes to bump up to 13, 14, 15 points a game, and then we'll see if Zagorowski uh, winds up keeping his, his line of about 16 uh, per night or if they're just going to become a pretty strong triumvirate. I think they will do that. I do want to also note, though, that Creighton is a wing-oriented team in a wing-oriented conference, and that's probably going to benefit them. They aren't uh, you know, one of the smallest teams in college basketball, but they do not rely on bigs. They've got a, a keep person going to be coming back that GP can mention for you, but they don't rely on bigs the way a lot of other teams that are populated in Parisonized top 25 do, whether it's one uh, central piece or uh, two or three guys standing 6'10", 6'11". That's just not the way Creighton is built there. So I think because of the league they play in, it's going to help them. As a comparison, a team that neither of us have in our top 25s, but Maryland is kind of built the same way this season, in my opinion, and they're in a league in the ACC where they're going to run into much more size. So I don't know if that's going to benefit or be a drawback for the Terps this season. For Creighton, though, I do think they are going to thrive there, and because of that, because of their shooting, because the way they move the ball so well, wonderful ball movement team. Wonderful. One of the best in college basketball. I think that gives them a nice little advantage. I do expect them, again, to be an elite offense. They were third last season. Only Gonzaga and Dayton, on a per-possession basis, were more efficient than the Blue Jays. 
shot 38.7% from three-point range. That ranked six nationally. You mentioned the player they're getting back. Jacob Epperson um, missed last season with a broken tibia. He's barely played since enrolling at Creighton and obviously coming off serious injury. I won't pretend to know what kind of impact he'll make, but he's at least another body. And they also add... Antoine Jones, who is a transfer from Memphis, set out last season per normal NCAA transfer rules. He didn't have great numbers at Memphis, but I will tell you from talking to that staff, there were times when they thought he was their most talented player. Not their best, but had the most upside of anybody on the roster in his one season at Memphis. What happened is pretty obvious. Penny Hardaway then went out and in, uh, signed the number one recruiting class in America featuring uh, Boogie Ellis, Lester Quinones, and the writing was sort of on the wall for Antoine Jones. Like, are you going to, you know, he, he, he wasn't, you know, a big contributor as a freshman. Now they're bringing in players who are more highly regarded than you. Are you about to get buried on the bench rather than sit around and wait and find out? He just said, all right, I'm bouncing, landed at Creighton. Again, set out last season per normal NCAA transfer rules, but he's another talented piece that Greg McDermott has added to that roster. I'll be interested to see his, uh, what he can bring from a defensive standpoint. Plus, you know, a couple other guys that aren't nearly as important Christian Bishop, Damian Jefferson. Uh, again, Bishop 6'7, Jefferson 6'5. But Jefferson, he's got some physicality to him, but he's not asked to, to step out and shoot threes. He does. He sh- shot 45 of them last year, but that's not his MO there. But how strong is Creighton going to be defensively? Because, listen, the worst rebounding team uh, in in the Big East last season. They finished 10th in offensive rebounding and, and 10th in overall rebounding. They don't turn teams over. They rank 336 nationally in turnovers per game a, a season ago. And I don't think those habits are going to be shed mostly. Like, this is still going to be an offense-first kind of team. And I, again, I do think that is going to benefit them. When I look at the other teams that want to try and punch up and, and try and keep pace with Creighton, your Providences, Seton Halls, UConn's, teams like that, Butler, if you will, um... I, I just don't see them being in that same stratosphere. Obviously, things can impact this. We're going to see if injuries impact this. We're going to see if scheduling stuff impacts this. There's going to be so many other elements that are that could play a part. And obviously, every single season, we we have, frankly, three to five teams in the power conferences that either greatly overperform or greatly underperform. I don't think that's going to be Creighton, but the, it's inevitable. We will have surprises, and that what's makes, that's what makes the season so much fun. But I find this team to be pretty reliable. Like I do think Creighton is one of the safer top 50 15 picks, even though in the broad scheme, you can kind of say, well, if your team can play defense and they do it reliably and they rebound, they do it reliably. That's the kind of stuff that shows up every single day. Shooting can sometimes be more of a, of a moving target there. But I think with how much they have brought back and the reliability of Zegarowski and I do, I love Balak's game and I think he's going to be a terrific player. I just, I trust them to be in that number two, number three, number four seed conversation at worst once we get to March overall. McDermott's he's he's done a wonderful job here and and keep an eye on the Jays who will not have the home court advantage they're accustomed to. Now, I don't have it up in front of me. I don't know if things are going to change. Literally, as we've recorded this podcast on Tuesday, Duke announced it's not going to have fans. That's not a surprise. Duke's never expected to have fans. But what I'm getting at is will Omaha be able to have 10% in? 
20% of fans in the building. I don't expect that to be the case because ri- literally case counts are rising in almost every single state in the country. Uh, so if if they don't have that home court advantage, is that also going to make an impact on Creighton? Because it's a bigger building than most, and that has obviously played a huge factor in how successful they've been able to be as they've made the transition from the Valley to the Big East in the past you know, six, seven years. I believe I read on Monday that Creighton is at the very least going to start the season with no fans. And that that matters. It's something we brought up on a recent podcast about Rutgers. Like one of the reasons Rutgers was um, on its way to snapping a lengthy NCAA tournament drought last season is because they were almost unbeatable at the rack. Like they just handled their business there. They didn't do a whole lot away from home, but they did enough in their building to put themselves in a position to make the 2020 NCAA tournament. Had we had a 2020 NCAA tournament, Creighton similar. They only lost one time at home last season. It was to Villanova. That's it. Everything else was a win inside that building. And it is a great basketball building. I've been there. I was lucky enough to be uh, on the sideline uh, for CBS Sports Network in what was Doug McDermott's senior day, which was just like one of my favorite. Hey, I'm glad, you know, after after you've done this job for a while, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you would agree with this, but. I bet I could find somebody in our profession to agree with it. It's just sort of like you're at the game. Okay, great. Like it doesn't get you the way – it doesn't wow you the way it used to wow you because at some point you've seen everything there is to see. You've been to Cameron Indoor a million times. You've been to Allen Fieldhouse a million times. One of my favorite memories of the past decade of actually being in a building for a basketball game was being there for Doug Senior Day. It was just great, and the building was on fire. And that fan base – particularly when they have a preseason top 15, top 10 team, it, under normal circumstances, I mean, they, they'd fill every seat in that place, and it would be an incredible home court advantage. Now you're not going to have that. And whereas it won't matter for some schools who don't really enjoy great home court advantages, I do think it could play a role at a place like Rutgers, at a place like Creighton, um, at, at places that at least in recent years have had real – noticeable and meaningful home court advantages starting this season at the very least with zero fans that's going to matter to Creighton and obviously although we have gotten good vaccine news this week there's no indication we're putting you know 18,000 people in a basketball arena in the 2020-21 season there's no indication we're going to play a final four in front of 65,000 people hopefully that all comes in 21-22 but nobody thinks it's going to be 2021, and so Creighton's going to have to be awesome without their normally awesome home court advantage. I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying it's something to consider. Yeah, it's not official yet, but I'll break the obvious news here. I mean, the Final Four, when it gets played, will be in a basketball arena. It's not going to be in a football stadium, and there's not going to be fans. The vaccine will not be. We have very positive, uplifting news with that uh, that's landed this week, uh, initial stuff, and hopefully it will start to be able to be distributed later uh, come December. But in terms of widespread distribution, dissemination, people take, like, that's not happening this season, okay? There's going to be uh, fans being in buildings will be totally patchwork. You're going to have a lot of conferences might just say, you know, we don't want any, we're, this is going to be fair across the board. So even if three of our 10 schools or, th- or four of our 12 schools can have it. No one's going to be allowed. We're going to have an equal uh, equal non-fan policy, uh, and you'll probably see that with conferences, those decisions getting made sooner than later. Um, one last thought on Creighton. 
I was looking before we podcasted at at the results from last season. So they were the third ranked offense. They were the 78th ranked defense. And Creighton fans listening will be very familiar with what I'm about to break down. But I did not realize it because, again, we got to cover the sport nationally. So we're trying to track as much as we can. I this I never remember writing about this or even like considering it for the court report last year. Here's Creighton's losses. 70, double digits, 79-69 Michigan. 83-52 loss to San Diego State. 71-57 against Butler. They had a couple of close ones, but they also had a 73-56 loss at Providence. A 91-71 loss to St. John's. Those are huge margins. Now, their wins, by the way, they beat Georgetown by 15. They beat Seton Hall by 17 to close out the regular season. Beat Butler by 32. Beat DePaul, romped them by 31. They're up and down the board. They beat Nova by 15 on February 1st last season. They beat DePaul by 25. There are a lot of wide-ranging outcomes here. So, you know, either they hit it big or they totally struck out. Only a couple of close ones. Only twice last season did Creighton lose by single digits. So keep that in mind for this season where if they're going to hit and they're going to hit big, then maybe this will continue. If you're able to tell me that they're going to wind up coming out of the gate hot and they're winning big, then yes, they're going to be clearly a top-10 team. But it seems like uh, when it rained, it poured for CU last season and some of those losses were significant. And that might ultimately bear out where we have them. You know, they're not going to be a top six, top seven national championship front runner, but they'll be in that 10 to 15 range. And if you're there, you're a clear Final Four hopeful. And I think that's what we've got with Greg McDermott's team this year. And by the way, that's more than enough. We mentioned at the top of the podcast, bring a full circle. We're talking about you on a top 10 countdown podcast preview series. Creighton, you're on the list. You're in here. This is an abnormally great season of a lot of optimism. Embrace it. See what comes. And hopefully we've got a, we've got a special season ahead for the Blue Jays. And obviously, a Final Four would be an incredible season for anybody, but especially for Creighton. This is a school that's never been to a Final Four, has only been to one Elite Eight. That was in 1941. Hasn't been to the Sweet 16 since 1974. So, um, last season could have gone down as one of the best, if not the best season in Creighton basketball history. And whereas Dayton takes an obvious step back from that, San Diego State takes an obvious step back from that in terms of teams that were operating in the top 10, 15, 20 all season. Uh, Creighton slips a little bit because of the Tyshawn Alexander departure, but they're still on paper very, very good and a real threat to do things at that school that have never been done in the sport of men's basketball. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle legend shouts to larnell and thank you guys for listening once again in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my entire lifetime i hope we never have to live through one of these again but i appreciate you guys being dedicated listeners to the ion college basketball podcast if you haven't subscribed please go do that anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including apple Podcasts. and we will talk to you again on wednesday when we spend a few minutes discussing mike shashevsky's duke blue devils Till then, take care.